Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? It's cold. Yeah. We, uh, we got here, and someone had turned the boiler off, and it took us forever to figure out how to get it back on. It's back on. So, like, halfway through service, you guys will be like, it's so hot in here. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, in the meantime, we have whitewater hoodies in the back. Uh, in, in all seriousness, we do. And uh, they, they cost money to make, so they're, they're, they cost money, but every dollar of profit is going to the Olive Crest foster care. So it's kind of a cool thing. So if we do get cold, we have hoodies in the back. Um, well, guys, I get, to, I get to teach today, which is really fun. Uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, who, here is still, who here is still full from Thanksgiving? A couple of us. Who are ready for round two? <laughs> yeah. That's where my people are at, that dad bod. Um, uh, that's awesome. I, I had a really interesting uh, Thanksgiving weekend. We found out on, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of last week, that my grandpa um, had to, is going to have to have triple bypass surgery on Monday. So we spent Thanksgiving in the Overlake Hospital in Issaquah. Um, he's doing really, really, really well. And he went home last night, which is just amazing. Um, but it made for an interesting week for me. Uh, so bear with me today as we talk about being thankful, which is awesome. I have a lot to be thankful for. Um, I was talking to my grandpa, and uh, he said that a couple of, so he's, he's got, a, I don't know the technical term for it, but your arteries build up with extra plaque, and so they've had to put some stints in his heart in the past. And uh, when the first round of that, when they were putting stints in, the doctor came in after the first appointment and said, I have three prescriptions for you, blood thinners, rest, and Philippians 4. He was a Christian doctor, which was really cool. And so my grandpa shared this verse with me that uh, I want to talk about a little bit today. Philippians 4 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And uh, I've read that verse a lot, and uh, we were talking about it, my family, and what, what stuck out to me this time was because I always, I always read that don't be anxious but, but you know pray and make your request known to God and, and he'll give you peace but there's this key in the middle that says with thanksgiving and I think that that's really a key piece of this passage and I want to talk about it a little bit today um, so that's what, that's what we're going we're gonna, to we're dig into uh, I taught last year on, on being thankful too on this exact same day so if you're like oh, I think I've heard this before I have a different things I'm saying today uh, I promise it's a, it's a, new, a new addition but uh, but it is familiar. Uh, this, this year, I'm a father. Last year, I wasn't a father. So I'm a dad now, uh, which is a lot to be thankful for. I love being a dad. Uh, I brought a little video clip of my daughter, Livy, so you can meet her. Daddy. <laughs> yeah. One more time. One more time. One more time. Daddy. 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 <laughs> it's the literal best. It is the absolute best. I love it so much. Uh, two things about fatherhood that have like so stuck out and surprised me one dad reflexes are real like if you knew me before having kids I have the worst reflexes like you throw something at me and like four seconds later I'm like whoa just horrible reflexes and I remember after Livy was born uh, I think she dropped a bottle or something and I was like I caught it it was like getting bit by a radioactive spider and having like spider powers. It's awesome. It's a real thing. Those of you not yet dads, you get like this weird superpower. It's super cool. And then the other thing was everyone talks about like, oh, they grow so fast. This goes so quick. They're always going fast. But uh, I'm not exaggerating the story at all. We, we put a new onesie on Livy 
And we said, and it was too big. She was kind of swimming in it. And we put her to bed and we woke up the next morning and she had outgrown it like overnight. It's like legit when people say they would grow fast. It's crazy. I did not expect that. So those are my two kind of surprises that have stuck out. Um, but with, with parenthood, right, there comes long nights. There comes, uh, like, it's really hard to go see concerts now or movies, something we should do all the time. And now it's like, it's a trick to do it. You got to find babysitting. And then also concerts in Seattle start super late. I went to a concert the other day. The headliner didn't go on until like 1.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. And I'm looking around like, what do you guys do? Like, I'm, I feel so old. Uh, so it's just a lot of challenges, right, that come along with it. And uh, I was talking with, with my dad about when I, when I was a baby. And apparently one night I was up all night long and I kept him up and he had to go to work the next day and he was carpooling with someone and he got in the car and he was kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Michael was up all night and it was just rough. And the gal he was driving up with said, yeah, my, one of my best friends just lost their kid to SIDS this last week. They'd probably give their arm or their leg to be up all night. And it stuck with me, right? I cry all the time now, by the way. It's her, it's her fault. I cry at weird things that aren't even sad. It's just like, why am I crying? It's so awful. So I'm, I'm sorry ahead of time. Um, but it's a perspective shift, right? And uh, there was a night with Libby where I was up. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was up with her. She's a really good sleeper, so I, I shouldn't complain at all. But it was 3 in the morning, and I was kind of starting to feel like, oh, my gosh, it's so late. And I remembered that story, and I had this moment of like, you know what? Within a couple weeks, she's going to be sleeping in her own room. She'll be sleeping through the night, and I'm going to miss this. And it was a perspective shift that... It's true. Like, I think two weeks later, she was sleeping in her own room, and she sleeps through the night, which is amazing. But I kind of miss those three-in-the-morning snuggles sometimes. She's not snuggling anymore. She can, like, move and crawl, and she just wants to go everywhere. And I miss that. And so I think with a lot of things in life, there are two ways to look at things. And we can look at things through a lens of thankfulness, or we can look at things through a lens of entitledness and ungratefulness. Um, And that's what I want to talk about. And I think it's really—this is why I think this is a really important topic— I think that uh, that verse starts, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Um, and I feel like our world is full of anxiety, whether you turn the news on. And I mean, first of all, I don't know if you guys, the news on your phone, like if you click on an article, it thinks you like articles like that. So then it just targets more articles. So like my wife clicked on an article about like a missing child and now like every day there's like horrible news about like missing children. It's just like awful. So our news like targets us to like make us, make us anxious, which is really hard. Um, but then also just like Instagram makes, makes us anxious. I don't know about you guys, but it makes me anxious. Like you'll, you're at work and you get on Instagram and all your friends are camping or traveling and, and it can build anxiety and, and feeling like, we're, like, like we're, we're missing out. This is like a thing. My wife, uh, when we were first married had to like take a break from Instagram and Facebook because she was actually getting depressed. It doesn't help that we were living in a basement with no windows and white walls. Uh, but, you know, sitting in this basement with no windows and white walls, all our friends are camping and, and traveling and it just looks so fun. And, and I feel like um, if we don't learn how to practice thankfulness in the little things like that, then when real adversity hits our lives, we don't know how to handle it. We don't have any tools or ability to process, and it's, and it's really crippling. Um, I'm going to dig into that in a second. I think this is really interesting. We, we, we've been taught to believe that our circumstances determine our happiness, and this has been a popular train of thought in the corporate world, too. Like, if you want your employees to work well, then you create an environment where they feel happy and encouraged, and they'll give you better work. 
And it's really interesting. I was listening to a, 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 a TED Talk, um, and there's all this science coming out that our brains actually don't work that way. It's really interesting that, that uh, our brains, when we find ways to be thankful, and if we, our brains are happy, we're more productive, and we actually have a better... We live longer, we're more productive, we enjoy our life more than if the, we try to create circumstances that make us happy. That always leads to the circumstances not being happy enough. And so it's really interesting. There have this, this team of people that actually help uh, big corporations be more productive. And this is what they have them, them do. They have them, there's a slide for this, I think. They have them practice three gratitudes a day. So write down three things they're thankful for. They have them journal. They have them exercise, I think. And then, yeah, there we go. Uh, do meditation and then random acts of kindness. This is so. This is like all. This, like this is like the Bible stuff. This is like Sunday school, church stuff, and yet, like big corporations are finding this is the best way to actually make people more productive. I always love when like science catches up to the Bible, and, and I don't mean that like science and the Bible are against each other, but I mean that you see over and over again people have make these discoveries in pop culture like this is really awesome, and you're like, oh yeah, the Bible said that like two thousand years ago. This is great. Uh, but it's really interesting, and so part, part of the science behind it that I thought was fascinating is that dopamine, so when we're happy or we're thankful, our brain releases dopamine, and dopamine is like the happy chemical in our brain. But dopamine also triggers our creativity, our focus, and our like learning centers of our brain. I didn't know that. It's really interesting. So there's an actual science behind it. And then also I was reading in, in Psychology Today that when we practice gratefulness, it engages our brain in a, in a virtuous cycle. So our, our brains work off of a confirmation bias. So um, if you start seeing things you're grateful for, your brain starts looking for things to be grateful for. And the opposite is true. If you're, if you're expecting to you know, hate your day at your job or you're just really bummed out, like your brain's going to be looking for the things that confirm the bias that you have about what you're going to experience, which is really interesting how that works. Uh, it sounds like it lines up with the Bible really well, which is strange. Uh, but I want to talk about, about what kind of, a, of an impact it makes. I think that number one, on the, just a really surface level, like when you hang out, you, who, who has one of those friends who you hang out with and like something's always bad? Like, they're complaining about how, like, they really want to be a mom, and they want to have kids, and then they have the kids, and then they just complain about the kids, because the kids are terrible, and they keep them up all night, or I hate my job, and my boss is the worst, and then they get a new job, and this is even worse than the last job, and you just hang around that. Doesn't it just kind of, like, bring you down? Like, it, like there's just, like, this weight, wet blanket that happens, versus being around someone who, like, when circumstances aren't great, are, like, finding things to be thankful about, it, like, brings you up, Right? So in like a very base level, I think that practicing thankfulness really helps us be a blessing to the people around us. Um, that's one of the ways that I think it impacts. The other way is that as we practice thankfulness, last year what I talked about was that thankfulness isn't just an attitude, it's a practice. We have to practice these things. Just like we're talking about with the chemicals of the brain, that if you start looking for things to be thankful for, your brain starts to build those pathways. As we practice thankfulness, I believe that it builds our faith and it prepares us for adversity. Because we all face adversity. I think we live, I think my generation specifically, we, we don't want to face, nobody wants to face adversity, but there's this very like, we don't want anything bad to happen to us, and we're trying to avoid conflict, avoid adversity. And yet adversity is inevitable, it's a part of life. Um, when I grew up, Little Red Riding Hood, the book, where I think Grandma dies at the end, the book now, they've rewritten it, so Grandma like, is hiding in the closet, and she's fine at the end. 
which is just interesting. It's like we want to shelter people from the reality that like, life is hard. And life is hard, and we do face hard things. And I really believe that thankfulness is a tool that if we practice, prepares us for those moments. Um, I also think that God uses adversity. He allows us to go through it. Um, and if we learn to notice him, in, in th- if, we, if we learn to notice him in the little things of our life, we will learn to see what he's doing in those moments. Um, I want to read a, a, a passage, a story in Acts about Paul and Silas. Some of you may have heard this, this, this story before. If you haven't, Paul is this guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he was in Rome, and he was preaching the gospel. And they were preaching in this town, and this lady who was like a psychic was following them around and kept saying, like, they're, they're following the one true God. Follow them. And it was just causing a scene. And so Paul says, causes this demon to come out of her, the spirit, and she's healed. But then her master, who owned her, who was using her to make money, was pissed because he lost his, his revenue. And they threw him in, in, in prison. So this is where we pick up the story. So about midnight, Paul and Silas, they're in prison, were praying and singing hymns to God. It's an odd thing to do in prison. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw that the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, do not harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked them, Sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in, in his house. And at, the hour of the night, and at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. They were filled with joy uh, because he had come to believe in God and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officials to the jailer with this order, release those men. The jailer uh, told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas to be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without trial, and even though we were Roman citizens and threw us into prison. Now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. Ballsy, right? Dude, okay. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from prison, requesting them to leave the city. I could teach for like an hour on this. There's so much in this. But real quick, that piece at the end, and the reason why I read all the way to the end, because I thought it's interesting that... Paul and Silas, they were Roman citizens, which means they shouldn't have been thrown in prison that way. And yet, instead of sitting in prison going, like, I'm a victim here. Like, this, isn't, this shouldn't be happening to me. I don't deserve this. They should be handling this different. Instead, they're singing songs, and they're, and they're thanking the Lord and praising him. And they're seeing what God's, where they are, not as something happening to them, but as an opportunity that God's put them in, which I think is crazy. Um, they're not choosing to be victims, but they're choosing to see what God's at work in. Um, also, I don't think that Paul and Silas just all of a sudden decided we're in prison. You know what? I'm going to try this like thankfulness thing now that I'm in prison. If you read Paul's letters, he is constantly 
talking about what he's thankful for. Every single one of his letters starts with, I'm thankful for you. He's writing different churches. I'm thankful for this person. I'm thankful for this. Even though I'm in, later he's in prison, he goes, even though I'm in chains, I'm thankful that I'm able to preach the word of Christ. Like he is practicing thankfulness so that when he's in this moment, he's prepared. Um, I just thought that was so interesting. And also, isn't it true that ungratefulness and complaining is like a prison that enslaves us? And ultimately, we, we, we become bitter. There's this line from a song of an artist that I, I love, that, and he's talking about hatred, but I think the same thing is true with complaining and bitterness. He says, hatred is a cold knife held by the blade, cutting in your palm till you feel no pain, burning in your eyes with the righteous rage till the ashes blow away. And I think it's so true that like bitterness and ungratefulness and thankfulness, it feels sometimes like it's doing something for us, but it's really not. Like, it really eats away at our soul, and it is like a prison. And yet thankfulness sets, sets us free. When we choose to be thankful, it ultimately releases those areas of, of, of our heart to be free, which I think is awesome. Um, thankfulness helps us see the bigger picture. Paul and Silas realized this truth that God never puts us anywhere without being there for a reason. And he has always an opportunity to use us in whatever circumstance that we're in. Paul knew God had a bigger purpose. Um, how many of you guys have been following along with Brandon and Abby's story? We talk about it a lot here at church. There are a couple at our church who had a, had a, a baby who was born, and, and the doctor basically said it would take a miracle for this child to live. And we all came together as a church and prayed for them in little Lily's home, and she's just so healthy. And uh, I got to shoot their story. We're going to be showing their video on Christmas Eve. So you're going to want to bring people out. It's going to be incredible. It's such a powerful story, but it's such a good example of a hardship that they went through that God used in a powerful way to reach and bless thousands of people. And they could have chosen that moment to be like, why is this happening to me? And I know that they have those moments, but they had such faith in that, knowing that God was at work somehow and they're going to use every opportunity to be thankful for the little things they can along the way. Like, hey, we want, we want her to come off of you know, this machine and then be praying and it would happen and they would be thankful for it and then there was another hurdle, right? And it, there was a bigger picture going on. When I was interviewing Brandon, he said, now when I look back, I can see God was doing something way bigger than what we were seeing. And as you practice patience, it prepares you for those kind of moments. Their story is going to be awesome. I really want to encourage you. Not only should you come on Christmas Eve, but if you have friends or family that you think need to hear their story, it's going to be powerful. It's very powerful. I think that sometimes God allows us to go through adversity to reach the jailers we wouldn't meet otherwise. There were doctors, there were other people in other hospital rooms that I got to hear stories that Brandon got to meet that they would not have met if they hadn't have been in that hospital. And we have a God who chooses to place us in tough places sometimes to reach people that he wants to be reached. So like, the next time you're at the, the DMV and you're pissed because your tabs were expired and you got a ticket... <laughs> You might be sitting next to someone that you're there to, to, to talk to. Who knows? Like, God works in, in, that, in that way. So as we start practicing thankfulness, we start to see the way that God is, is providing for us and around us. Also, God allowed his son to endure the cross so that we could know eternal life. So God even put his own son through adversity and Christ. And so one of the things I'm saying here is I'm not saying that, like, um, these moments aren't hard or we shouldn't. They shouldn't struggle with him. Jesus struggled. When he was going to the cross, he said, Father, if there's any other way, please, any other way, but not my will, your will be done. 
And it said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So it doesn't mean that these aren't hard, but we can, we can weather through adversity when we've learned to practice gratefulness. Um, we, of all people, have everything to be thankful for if we're Christians, right? Uh, my grandpa, talk to my grandpa, we, uh, he had a, so this whole thing started because they were going to, they put a camera up his, uh, his, up his arteries to see if they could put another stint in because he was feeling a little weak and stuff. And we were, our hope was that they'd be able to put the stint in and that's kind of, we were there. So I drove up to the hospital and I got there right after they had, the doctor had come in and said, actually, you have 95% blockage in your main artery. We need triple bypass surgery immediately. Um, and I walked in and I said, well, how you feeling, Papa? I call my grandpa Papa. And he goes, I feel great. And I said, what? And he goes, I'm just, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that there's something that they can do. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I'm so thankful for, for doctors, and I'm so thankful for, for uh, medical care and insurance. Like, there's so much to be thankful for. So thankful that my family are here, and there's something that can be done. And I just kind of sat there, and I'm like... Who says that? Like you just, you know they just said you have to have triple bypass. That's gnarly. Like triple bypass surgery is gnarly. And yet in that moment, he was practicing counting his blessings. And it had such an impact that I'm choking up in front of all of you. Great. Uh, but now I'm talking to you guys about it. Like the ripple effect of that and how that impacts people is just, just amazing to me. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it was just so, so powerful seeing that. I was walking away and I was talking to my, my aunt about it. And she goes, man, she goes, we could all use some open heart surgery. <laughs> I thought that was so true. That there's areas of our life that get clogged up with ungratefulness and we could all use it. The, rea- the reality is, is that God doesn't just triple bypass our hearts. He gives us new hearts. The Bible says God gives us a new heart. God, Livy, where are you? <laughs> this is your fault. I told you, I literally cried everything. It's the worst. I'm so sorry. I, I don't have any control over it. Uh, no, but it's true. God, God gives us a, a, a new heart. And so it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys know how triple bypass surgeries work. I looked it up. I'm glad I waited till after the surgery to look up pictures. But they literally, they disconnect your heart completely. Your heart stops. They hook you up to this crazy machine that's like the size of this platform. It looks like straight out of the 60s. It's like super archaic. And it keeps your whole body going, which is wild. They take arteries from other places in your body and they create new arteries. And then they have to restart your heart and hope that it gets going and, and get moving again. And I think it's so true. You know, the Bible says that God gives us new hearts, but our hearts are like muscles, right? Just like a real heart. And as we begin practicing to live the way of Christ, our hearts grow stronger. Just like my grandpa's going to have to start doing physical therapy and start trying to work and getting that heart strong. It's the same with us. That, that verse, Philippians, we started with, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and have heard and have seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. That practice is what grows that that strength that we've been talking about. And... uh, 
I think that uh, I just want to point out what I'm not. I'm not talking about like uh, practicing um, having positive thoughts or like practicing the like it could be worse. Like I'm not talking about right. I think that, and I, isn't it true? I think especially my, my my generation, we have such short attention spans. We're really into life hacks. Life hacks are the things like like keto. Keto is like the new way to like lose to lose weight and stuff. You uh, you you only eat uh, protein, right? You can't eat carbs, so you can eat like blocks of cream cheese and steak. <laughs> Seriously, and, and, and you lose weight really fast, but it's not healthy for you long term. Like it's a good way to jumpstart things, but we're, everyone wants the, we want the, want the new keto. We have Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime delivers half the things in one day to my house. It's amazing. When something takes more than one day, and the guy like calls and it's like, where's my package? And they're like, what's wrong with you? It's the worst. But we're so used to that. You know, we watch, my wife and I watch TV, and if it's, if it's longer than a 20-minute episode, she's, she's asleep. That's just what happens. So, but this is, we're talking about something that takes time, that takes practice. It takes, it takes uh, building that muscle to work. And I think that as we do that, as we practice thankfulness, we practice finding things to be thankful for, we'll begin to see the world with the eyes of our new heart. We'll see how God's at work. And the anxiety in our life will be met with God's peace. And the people in our life, the world, just like the jailers, and just like the people in the hospital with my grandpa and stuff, uh, will be able to start seeing the kingdom here on earth, start being able to see glimpses of heaven in you and I's life. Um, and it's a really powerful way to bless the world. So that's my, that's my sermon today. It's like a TED Talk with Michael. It's short, <laughs> sweet. Uh, but I, I want to do something. We're going to do two things. The band's going to come out, and we're going we're gonna to sing two songs, and we'll do our offering and sing the last song. And we brought our one-child gifts. Um, but we're also going to take communion today. So we're going to sing two songs now. The first song, I want us to take communion. Uh, and then during the second song, we'll bring the gifts up. It'll be a little bit of sit down, stand up, but it'll be good exercise after a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, but I want to do something before we take communion. As the band is playing this song, um, you should all have connect cards sitting next to you with pens. Um, before you come up, before you take communion, before you stand up and sing, I want us all to write down three things that we're thankful for. I want us just to start practicing this. And we do this, we do a, a, a service after the first of the year. It's like the first Sunday in, in January where we come together and we kind of pass the mic around and we allow kind of you guys to talk a little bit about what God's been doing in, in your life. It's kind of a time of sharing and stuff. And uh, I would love to challenge us to do this every day. Three things we're thankful for. And then on that service, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear how, how that's going. I'll be teaching again with Hank Scott and I'll be teaching and... I would just love to hear kind of what, how that's gone and challenge you with that. But I want to start practicing it now. Does that make sense? So we'll start singing, do that, and then when, you, when you're done, come up. You can take the elements. There's, uh, there's going to be wafers and grape juice, and they represent the sacrifice that God made on the cross for us, the adversity that he faced, the joy that was set before him so that we could know life, so that we could walk with him and have reasons to be thankful. Um, and then you can come up when you're done and, and take that communion. And then that next song, we'll do gifts. Sound good? All right. Thank you, guys. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we love you so much. And we just thank you, God, that you love us, that you're so good to us. And uh, when we stop and we, we choose to, to process where you're at work, I'm always overwhelmed at all the areas of life that you are blessing me, that you're watching after us and taking care of us, God. And I just pray you would help our hearts 
to grow bigger and bigger, that we would strengthen the, the, our new hearts, the muscles, we'd practice patience, and you would prepare us through the adversity that we will face in our life. When we hit those moments, we would see them not as, not as things happening to us, but as opportunities, God, to be thankful and to see where you're at work. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.